You're listening to the Technology for Mindfulness podcast, episode 24, hosted by me, Robert Plotkin. Today I'm going to be speaking with Ananda Leek, a meditation and yoga teacher, Reiki master practitioner, and author who helps people and organizations to outsmart stress with wellness, tap into creativity, and have a healthy relationship with technology. She is the CEO of Ananda Leek Consulting, a firm that provides coaching and training in mindful living, creativity, and technology. We're extremely pleased to welcome Ananda Leek to the Technology for Mindfulness podcast. Today's interview will be with Ananda Leek, and one of the things that Ananda is going to talk about is the importance of attention on the breath and focusing on the breath as part of mindfulness practice. So for today's tips, I'd like to give some suggestions for incorporating focus on the breath as part of your daily mindfulness practice, and in particular, how to try to integrate that into your real-life interactions with technology. For example, one thing you can try doing is before you're about to react or respond to technology, let's say when your phone rings or when you hear the sound of a text message arriving or your phone vibrates or your devices do something else that gets your attention and you feel you're about to react to it, that's a moment when you can practice pausing and breathing either intentionally slowing and deepening your breath for one, two, or three breaths before going on to answer that message or pick up the phone, or just noticing what your breath is without necessarily trying to change it. This can be challenging, though, to actually bring into practice. To It's easier said than done <laughs> to bring your attention to your breath. It's easy to think now that that's a good idea, much harder to actually do it, not when you're listening to this podcast, but in the middle of your busy day. So let me give you a suggestion, a kind of training suggestion for how to try to train yourself to do this outside of your busy day to make it be a little bit more likely that you'll be able to remember and actually focus on your breath when you need it. So I would suggest you pick one thing your phone or your computer does that you tend to be really reactive to. For me, one of those things is the sound of a text message arriving. I use an iPhone. It has a default sound. You all know that sound of the text message arriving. For whatever reason, that really grabs my attention. So uh, it's possible to go into the settings of the iPhone under sounds and notifications and tap the name of the sound for your text message notification and cause the phone to make that sound. So one thing I've done, and I've done it a lot with the sound of my phone ringing, I use the cla- that classic telephone ring sound, is I spent a lot of time doing the following separately, outside of my busy day, when I could be relaxed and focused, go in to those settings, tap the phone sound so that I'd hear it. The phone wasn't actually ringing from a call, but I would make the phone sound, 
the phone ringing sound and practice then hearing it and responding by paying attention to my breath. I'd practice hearing the sound and deepening my breath, seeing if I could relax my body. And just keep tapping that sound and practice in a calmer, more mindful, less stressful moment. Practice the kind of response I would like to have. And I found that it really helped me then, you know, the next day when I was wrapped up in the middle of my day, it really helped me a lot train my mind to respond in that way when it was an actual text message arriving or telephone call coming in because I trained myself to respond to those sounds in this mindful way. Every once in a while, if I feel I'm slipping, I go back and I do some more of that training. I don't do it as regularly as I did in the beginning. I think I spent about a week doing this pretty regularly, if I remember. And now I don't have to go back and train as often. Instead, I've established that baseline where now when the phone rings, it's become a habit for me to pause for just a few seconds, focus on my breathing. If I'm feeling particularly stressed out at that moment, I will intentionally deepen my breath. So that's my suggestion for the day for a practical way to train yourself to have that capacity to respond to a triggering event like your phone ringing or text message sound or something else, to be able to respond to that more mindfully instead of just trying to tell yourself to do it in advance and then hoping that you will. This is a suggestion for a specific way of practicing to increase the likelihood that you'll be able to focus on your breath when you need it. So now on to the interview with Ananda Leek, where she will talk about focusing on the breath and many, many other ways to help you become more mindful in your relationship with technology. Hi, Ananda, and welcome to the Technology for Mindfulness podcast. Hi, Robert. Thanks so much for being here. And I want to get started uh, by talking about the work that you do with people and organizations to deal with stress, uh, particularly any stress that's related to people's relationships with technology. Could you tell us a little bit about the work you do and perhaps what are the most common kinds of stress and situations in which you find that people are experiencing stress these days in relation to, te- to technology? Fantastic. So I want to say hello, first of all, to all of your audience members. It's a pleasure to be here. And the work that I do with people and organizations, it really revolves around slowing down and helping people make healthier choices in how they use technology so that when they are faced with repeated emails, phone calls, (laughs) websites popping up, deadlines, they're able to respond in a calm state or pause before 
before typing or pause before speaking, um, just creating some space in between the normal reaction or the habitual reaction. You know, sometimes when we are um, working with people, whether they're our colleagues or clients, um, we may have a, a relationship with them that we've told ourselves some stories based on what has happened in the past and just the sound of the person's voice or their name or just an email or any kind of communication from them sends us into a whole state of, I like to call it a tizzy. And (laughs) you really haven't even figured out what it is that they're requesting from you, but you've already kind of told yourself or responded in the habit way that you formed over time. And so I offer to clients that they begin with their breath because I believe that mindfulness and outsmarting stress can you can you can come into the present moment and create some space for awareness just with the power of your breath and it's free and it's available to us at any point in time. A lot of us forget that we have that power of breath, me included, depending on what situation I am in and who I'm dealing with, people who may trigger me or situations may trigger me. So I start with the breath and it's simple by just saying, take a deep breath right where you are. Because when we get stressed, we stop and we <laughs> breathe. We, our breath becomes short Sometimes our shoulders hunch up. We may carry a lot of stress in our shoulders and in our neck. Our bodies carry stress. So it's just really giving yourself an opportunity to check in to say, this person or this situation is pressing my last nerve or is triggering me. Or maybe you can't even get to those questions. But it's through the power of the breath that gives you that space to do what I like to call tap into the ABCs of mindfulness, awareness, balance, and calm. You may not get the balance. You may not be, you may not get the calm, but you will have some awareness because you'll be able to slow down. And in that space, you can really decide, is it really necessary for me to respond immediately? Can I take us, can I take a step back? Most times we can, we have that choice and we forget that we have the choice and mindfulness and the work that I do with mindful living, mindful creativity and mindful technology with people and organizations is really reminding people that we do have choices in how we interact and how we respond. We forget that or we, we let somebody else's deadline impact our ability to respond or interact the way that we want to show up. And that's really where it starts. Um, I, I love to talk to folks about, one, how do you want to show up? That's the first thing. What's your intention in, in your life, in your work, in your relationships? How do you want to show up? Because I think if we answer that question, that kind of guides us, you know, what what qualities do you want to to express during your day? And that can come as simply with a morning practice. And this is mindful living that I'm I'm inviting the audience to kind of explore with me. 
just beginning as you wake up before you even get out of your bed. Just breathing in and breathing out. I always say three to seven breaths always bring me to a place of um, of openness where I can ask, how do I want to show up? The answer may not come immediately. It may come later in the day. But I have put that question on the table to myself. And I've allowed myself space to, to reconnect with what's in my heart. Because that's what's missing, I think, most of the time is that we're just responding from our heads. And if you can bring your heart into a place uh, where you can hear it, and I think the power of the breath and slowing down and coming into the present moment allows you to do that. And from there, you can start to insert some mindful moments into your life, into your day, into your workplace. And, and if you're working on projects or you're creating something, because I believe we're all creative, bringing the power of your breath into your creative process also helps. It helps relieve the stress of I've got a block and I can't make it. Sometimes it's just breathing or or allowing yourself the space to kind of say what is it that's bothering you to yourself or maybe to someone else. So I hope that answered some of your question, if not all of it. Yeah, absolutely. I I, I would like to explore the ABCs. I think you've mm-hmm. talked a bit a bit about the A, and maybe particularly for people who haven't done. Uh, breath awareness or meditation. Mm-hmm. Uh, could you talk a little bit about starting to take that step from awareness to the B, the balance? Okay. Well, I think first of all, it really helps to to set the stage for what I think mindfulness is, because mindfulness is many things to many people. And in my in my world, m- mindfulness is paying attention to what's happening right in the present moment, through the power of your breath, without judging yourself, coming as you are into where you are and noticing what's happening without judgment, on purpose, doing it, choosing it, being intentional about it. That's, that's, that's some of my, my, I would say, my buzzwords for mindfulness. Now, awareness comes when you start to say, ah, I see that. I noticed that. Or there's that thought again. <laughs> you know, you can label the <laughs> thoughts. Or that, that person, wow, I'm, as soon as I see that person's name on an email, you start noticing what's, what's the feeling. Are you getting tight? In your shoulders? Are you starting to sweat? Are you starting to get mad? Are you reaching for something sugary? I mean, sometimes we we self-medicate with sugar and other things. Um, sweets. Not not judging anybody because I have my my sweet tooth moments too. <laughs> but the awareness. And and the balance comes when we decide that we are worthy and valued and important enough to give ourselves some self-care. And I, and I say that when we decide 
we have to make that choice. It's, it's, it's from the inside out. That's the balance. Nobody can give that to you. You have to make a conscious choice to take better care of yourself. And how that happens is by noticing through your awareness, what ultimately are you allowing to happen in your life? And do you like that? Do you like being stressed out? Do you like responding, you know, without having um, having a good grasp of, of who you are in the moment and what you're saying? Do you like the impact of it? Do you like yourself when you do that? It's no judgment. It's like, is that who you want to be when you show up at home, in your life, in work, um, in your community? It's really looking at, like, who do you want to be? And who are you when you do do that? And do you want something better? Is there a way to, to do that? And so self-care um, is is a place that I don't think we talk enough about um, in in the world. It's It's something that I'm committed to in my own life. I'm a student of it. I'm just like everybody else. I'm in process. But it's making sure that one, you know what balance, what you want in terms of balance in your life. What does that look like? And then noticing when that's not there. And then identifying ways to bring yourself to that place of balance. Do you have some tools that you can use on the spot that don't require you to go to a yoga class in a cute outfit? And I'm a yoga teacher and I love the cute outfits and I love to go to class. But the reality is, is that when stuff happens, the yoga class may not be until Thursday and it's Monday and it's midnight. <laughs> so, or you may be in the middle of a meeting or you may be in the middle of a conference call or you may be in the middle of dealing with a family situation. If you're a parent and you're dealing with a child, especially young children, you, you may not have that space. And so it's looking at what are a few things you can do. And I want to offer to the audience, some things that my mother taught me, um, just breathing deeply, like taking three deep breaths. When I was in, um, in the early years of my career in finance in, um, in the DC government, I was dealing with, uh, a lot of different personalities and doing transactions, bond transactions, very fast moving pieces, and then dealing with Wonderful bureaucratic opportunities of self growth. I will say that. <laughs> That's a nice way of saying it. it was a lot <laughs> happening. Um, and managing a lot of different relationships from inside the district government and outside of the district government. And, um, it was not easy and it was super stressful. And during that time, I, I lost it in my communications with, with colleagues and staff. And I remember the one incident where I just blew up and I came in my office and I called my mom and I, I, I just said, I, I don't know what to do. I can't, I'm beyond embarrassment. I don't know how I'm going to make it and I can't quit this job right now. <laughs> and so she reminded me to just breathe. And that was during my first major transaction and I would get into some really sticky places, but I would breathe three times. 
just breathe deeply. And it got so deep that um, when I could take a, an exit to the bathroom, I would go into the handicap stall because that stall has a lot of room. And at the time I was learning um, yoga and I would do forward folds in the bathroom and breathe. And I found that mm-hmm. those two things were my, they were my sanctuary. <laughs> you know, the bathroom became my sanctuary. That stall became my my holy place in many ways. And then um, I learned that music, you know, was very soothing. And so I had my, this was the 80s. No, it was the early 90s. And so I had my my tape recorder with with tapes of my favorite music or my favorite radio station playing in my office. I created a sanctuary in my own office with different healing stones, um, pictures, things that reminded me of what balance looks like in my life. And drinking tea, sipping tea, bringing tea to meetings, like a certain type of tea, not not drinking the coffee that I was drinking. So slowly and surely, I found things that helped me. Um, so that's that's what I've done in, in in my own life. And I suggest to clients, and I help them create a balanced toolkit from what can you do when you have no other refuge except yourself and you can't. Um, touch your heart. You have to just stand there or sit there. What can you do? Um, yeah. It's very interesting. You know, all of the things you describe that you use to help uh, soothe yourself, if I can mm-hmm. put it that way, you know, they're directly addressing the body and the heart and the mind in a way that is different from how I think we're often encouraged in our culture to do it, which is by thinking mm-hmm. in some way. I'm not saying you weren't thinking, but we're often encouraged to think about what just happened to us. How could we do it differently in some sort of an intellectual problem solving mode? And not to say there's not a value to that, but you know, you talked about ways that you could more directly, um, address your mm-hmm. body or, uh, get at the feeling perhaps more directly as at, at the very least, if I'm understanding a compliment to thinking, which is something that our culture mm-hmm. tends to emphasize. Yeah, you're right. And I'm glad you picked up on that because I base my, my gifts of, of working in mindful living, creativity and technology are born out of my own stress and mess and Having had the opportunity to um, practice and see the power of mindfulness in so many different ways in my life and how it's transformed me and continues to transform me, now I want to give it back to others and, and help them or suggest to them or share what I have learned or what others have shared with me. Um, and it is the body that is under attack, you know, and it's the body that um, really needs in my, my, my mind that if you can get a, if you can bring some peace to your body, then the mind can settle down and, and you can do something else. But until your body has some peace, 
you can't have a conversation with yourself. It's like pain. Um, if you're in an amount of pain, you can't have a conversation with yourself, a real live, rational, you know, conversation where you'll be able to maybe take some action um, or address some things or even listen because you'll be consumed with what you're feeling. Mm. Yeah, I have. I had a uh, karate teacher who would say the mind follows the body. In mm-hmm. other words, to fo- try focusing on the body first sometimes, and you may be surprised at how often that will lead the mind. Mm-hmm. And it's also interesting to me that you have a very uh, diverse and varied background in mindfulness. You know, you, you're a writer, you, uh, a meditator, yoga practitioner and teacher, uh, Reiki practitioner. Could you talk a little bit? I'm, first of all, I'm just mm-hmm. curious about what brought you to all of those mm-hmm. practices personally, but how, what influence does that have on how you teach and bring mindfulness to other people? I think it has a huge influence. I bring my entire kitchen sink uh, with me and then Based on what, or my treasure chests, or my, you know, portfolio of skills and talents, if you want to dress it up, depending on the audience. <laughs> I bring it all with me and uh, I allow what needs to come out to come out. I, I truly trust the process. Um, and you, I want to take a moment just to address like my background. I, um, I'm in my 50s, my early 50s, and so proud to be it. And the last 25 years have been an amazing journey in mindfulness. And it started as a young lawyer and investment banker. And the the thing that was the catalyst for me to, to start exploring how to manage my emotional and physical pain were a series of bar failures, taking a bar exam four years in a row and um missing the passage rate by three, four, seven, eight, six points, ultimately deciding mm. after four years, you know, you can get a college degree after four years, after <laughs> having earned a BA, a JD, and a graduate law degree, I made that decision that I'm not doing this anymore. The universe has taught me some serious lessons because I volunteered for those classes and I'm going to volunteer for something different. And it was out of that that I had to figure out how am I going to manage the, um, the shame, the pain, the, the fear of what to do next. And it was through meditation um, and then yoga and then journaling and writing. And, um, you know, when you open one door to healing, a whole set of doors opens over time. And, uh, yeah. I wonder if there's anything you could share with people about how it is that meditation and perhaps these other practices helped you learn from and perhaps get through that kind of a painful experience. I'm really good at glazing over stuff in my life and acting like it didn't really hurt or it wasn't a big deal. And so I call myself a glazed donut extraordinaire. 
And <laughs> the practice of sitting with whatever comes up that, that happens in meditation, that forced me to deal with the pain because the stuff came up. And the yoga, for me, and the teacher that I had at the time, she taught me in my home, and the poses that we used, they were a lot of heart openers and hip openers, and those poses help you open up emotionally. And I cried. This stuff started coming out, and I started realizing how much pain it was. And this thing called a panic attack started happening. So I had to really get a grip on um, using my breath to manage it because it would happen in commuting to and from work on the bus. It, it would happen at any point in time. And it was through the power of the breath and then sitting when I came home to just calm myself. And it was through meditation. There has been certainly discussion and some debate about meditation. I've heard from people within and outside the mindfulness community about whether meditation may sometimes, you know, I, I want to say, bring people down. Uh, it sounds like you may have gone through some of that before mm -hmm. coming back up. Uh, you know, I, I've heard people express concern about meditation as something that by putting people more in touch with their painful experiences and feelings could actually be dangerous or harmful. I wonder if you could talk a bit about that mm -hmm. tension there uh, from your own experience and perhaps from your teaching of other people. I know that uh, for me, I had to go there. I, I had to, when I, when I really saw what was happening with myself with the panic attacks I started seeing a therapist and she said if you don't figure out a way to handle this you're going to be put on medication you know and that to me was a call to figure out some ways to manage now that may not be the option that folks have. And I have not worked with a population that has required medication. I have worked with people that are in pain um, from living with and dealing with cancer and HIV AIDS, as well as rheumatoid arthritis and just general body pain um, from various physical ailments. Um, and what I have witnessed in them through meditation, or just let's just start with the power of the breath, is that it creates some space for them to see that they are more than just what is happening in their body. To be able to look at what that pain is and to start to have a relationship with it. And I'm not saying that your pain needs to become your best friend, and I'm not a psychologist. Uh, or a therapist, but I can say that the pain that I was carrying, I was beating myself up for just having the pain, and meditation helped me create some space for compassion for myself and for being human. It helped me 
find language to describe what was happening to myself because sometimes I know for myself and for clients, when you don't have the words, you haven't had a, a discussion with yourself. And when I say a discussion with yourself, I say take pen to pencil to paper or your digital device if you type, um, since we're talking about technology and you have that. But to be able to communicate it to yourself, to, to document it, and then to reread it to yourself, it, um, it takes the sting off of it some because you have now brought it to life. You put some, you shine some light on it. And you're able to look at it a little more. And then looking at it a little more, when those emotions or those experiences, that, that physical pain arises, it, it still causes you some pain, but it doesn't have as much of a sting, if you will, because you're beginning to know it. You're beginning to look at it. And the the scariness of it, it, it may still scare you some, but it's definitely not like, in my, my own personal experience, it's not like it was, you know, when it just shows up as a panic attack and you don't know what's happening, you know, and you don't know what to do. Um, but when you do know what's, what's happening, that allows you to figure out what to do. And you can go to your your self-care toolkit, whatever you want to call it, or your breath, and ask, what is the next best step? That's what I do now. What is the next best step? And to trust that you'll be guided towards that. I think there there are people who haven't done meditation who may be concerned about uh, where it might lead, particularly if they try doing it on their own, you know, the, and yeah. this is related to technology. It's great in a sense that there are many options now for people to try to guide themselves into meditating. There are books, mm-hmm. there's podcasts, <laughs> there's, you know, apps. Uh, but at the same time, uh, you know, there's certainly, uh, I think it's understandable that people might have concern or trepidation about mm-hmm. diving into that water without a skilled, experienced person to give them some guidance. So um, I wonder if you could talk a little bit about that. And perhaps, you know, what do you think uh, you bring as a, as a guide to people when you're working with them, either individually or with organizations? I understand that because it's if it's new and it's different and depending on what you've heard about it or what you've seen, you may think whatever you may think, you may have all kinds of thoughts. What I would offer and what I have offered to newbies and to beginners and to people who have been resistant that were dragged to the class because a loved one (laughs) or a friend said, you got to do this. I would simply say, start with just allowing yourself to to be right where you are. Don't try to pretend that you're you're resisting. It's okay if you're resisting. That's human. It's all right. And then once you accept where you are, because I think that's a big piece of it, we we may be... <laughs> fearful of others judging us for actually not wanting to be there or we're trying to pretend that 
we want to be there and we don't. I think you can find a place to, um, even if you're staging your own mini protests, because I've done that in certain certain situations, not with meditation, but with other things. You can you can be right where you are, come as you are, and just make a make a promise to yourself to create just a little space of openness, just a little space. It doesn't have to be a lot. You could take your fingers and create just a little space, like your your thumb and the finger next to that, and just create a little space for something that might possibly be of help to you, something that might possibly be. It may not, but just create a little bit of space. Yeah, it seems like it would make it less threatening. Yeah, be kind to yourself and say, I'm here. I got to do this because he said so or she said so, or if I don't do it, it's going to create all kind of drama and I don't want that. But to just say, maybe something here in this hour, 30 minutes, 10 minutes, whatever it is, maybe there's there's one thing that I might I might find out. And it could be that not to do it anymore. <laughs> you might find that out because meditation is not for everybody. You know, everybody has different ways of of soothing themselves and creating awareness, balance, and calm. And, you know, I'm not one to say you got to do it because everybody's doing it or because I know that it works. If it's not for you, don't, don't do it. And I try not to... Um, in my writings and my teachings and my sharings, I try not to force it on anyone. I always say, take what you need and leave the rest behind. And if you don't need any of it, that's okay too. I trust that you will get what you need to get when you need to get it. And given the fact that you practice and teach a variety of different types of mindfulness, as we said, meditation, yoga, Reiki, you know, is there anything you've learned from that about uh, what is maybe more often helpful for certain types of people or for people in different circumstances? Mm -hmm. You know, there may not be any way to generalize Mm -hmm. about that, but I wonder if you have any thoughts from Mm -hmm. your experience. I know from my work as an artist in residence with Smith Center for Healing and the Arts, where I go into hospitals and work one-on-one with patients and their family and friends, especially working with cancer patients and um, terminally ill patients and patients with a lot of pain, that um, the breathing by holding my hand like that touch, having touch, and even and using Reiki and having the 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 presence of another person breathing with you. I've watched how that has helped folks just settle in, even when they're they're crying through their words or in so much pain, but being being able to hold space for others, you know, as we go through some breathing and even some office yoga, you know, when I say office yoga, it's, it's, it's not a full yoga practice. It's, it's sitting or laying down, um, 
or if they can stand doing some gentle standing, um, not rigorous at all, more kind and gentle uh, things. It's interesting. It raises the general question of how people can try to adapt traditional practices into their modern lives. You know, I like that phrase office yoga. Mm -hmm. I don't know if you have any other experiences to share or suggestions for how people could take either sitting meditation or yoga or something else and find a way to integrate it or incorporate it into their work lives or their, or into their relationship with technology specifically. Definitely. I am a student of Thich Nhat Hanh. It's his, he's a, an amazing Vietnamese Zen Buddhist monk and teacher and Arthur. And he has a smiling practice. Um, and I call it mouth yoga. And it's something that we can do before we, um, we pick up a phone to talk to someone or before we begin to speak to someone, we can close our eyes or keep them open if you need to. You can take a really deep breath. And then as you exhale, smile your cheesiest smile. Allow the muscles in your face to just relax and to do that a couple of times. And to check in with what's happening in your brow area, what's happening in the jawline, because that's we hold stress what's happening with your eyes and then to continue to kind of just allow that smile, even if it's a fake smile, it's okay. That shifts the energy and whether you follow energy or not, it, it relaxes you. I think um, you can do that standing, sitting in, in your morning or evening or daily commute. Um, I'm a bus girl and a subway girl. So you can do that. The other thing, too, if you're sitting um, and, and we sit, if you're in technology and you don't have a standing desk, because I have a standing desk at home, you're sitting a lot. So, ooh, that's creating a lot of tension and stress and tightness in our bodies, believe it or not. Um, lower back issues come, come as a result, not to scare anybody, yeah. but how can you take care of yourself? Um, one, you can use... Um, the, you can set your own phone for an alarm where you get up and move every hour on the hour. And when you get up, you can use that as a breathing moment. You can also use that as a stretch moment. Um, as you're sitting, you can roll your shoulders back. As you inhale, you can roll them forward and allow yourself to exhale. You can bring your shoulders all the way up to your ears as you inhale and then allow them to come back down. That's giving some love to those shoulders. You can do um, some twists where you turn from side to side in your chair. You can open up your legs and come to the edge of your chair, create some space in between those hips and stretch the inner thighs. Oh, and you can also do a forward fold, which is you stand, bring your arms and your beautiful hands all the way up, create some space in between your fingers and stretch those a little bit because we've probably been typing and we haven't been stretching our fingers at all. And then take a deep breath and forward fold over just like we all did in gym class. I mean, and notice where 
you may be feeling some tension in your back. And if you can't touch the floor like me, you can bend your knees um, and you can hang out there. And when you do that, that's a great, um, because the blood in your head goes all the way to the top of your head. When you come back up, you get a little rush. It's like a little midday natural high. (laughs) And that could create some space if you're angry. I've done that when I'm angry. I've done that when I'm tired. I've done that when I'm having a rough conversation with folks and I take that bathroom break and go into that last stall and (laughs) rejuvenate myself. That helps a lot too. You can just simply turn your computer off or if you're like me and you have a a tablet, you can um, put the top down and you can take some deep breaths. You can move away from your desk. You can go into another space in your office. You can always do a mindful walk. You can going back and forth to the bathroom and just slowly walking mindfully where you're picking up your feet and placing them back down. You can always go on YouTube and do a search for mindful walking or walking meditation. YouTube has everything. (laughs) (laughs) And you can find that. You can do a mindful walk to get your lunch. You can decide to eat mindfully whenever you do eat at work. Maybe you bring your breakfast to work or you have your lunch or dinner. And mindful eating is really allowing yourself the opportunity to chew slowly instead of woofing it down. Sip slowly if you're drinking tea or coffee or a beverage and just allowing yourself to savor that. And maybe you may not want to do it for the whole time, but just allow yourself some space and to try these, these, these things out. You can also, if you're leading a meeting, and this is what I do with workplace mindfulness, um, I've had the opportunity to, to lead two programs in the last two and a half years um, in my workplaces. And in the current place that I'm working, um, I lead a mindful moment at the beginning of our staff meeting. And that really is just inviting my colleagues to take a few moments before we start and get into all of the wonderful topics and concerns to um, breathe deeply together, relax, close our eyes, put our laptops and our devices down. And just to relax and breathe. We're not meditating. We're just having a mindful moment. Just breathing. And then I may pose a question like, who do you want to be today? Or what's your intention for this meeting? And you answer that to yourself. It's great. I mean, I really appreciate the pointing out of opportunities that already exist during people's days to engage in some mindfulness without necessarily have to having to go to a class or set aside a time and a space for some kind of formal practice which of course people may do but you know I really appreciate you you letting people know that there are already opportunities during their day when you're going to be eating already, you're going to be walking already, and you can bring some mindfulness to those times, particularly if you feel like I often feel, I think many people often feel, whether it's the truth or not, that we don't have any extra time. Mm-hmm. Uh, that there's still 
existing time、mm-hmm. that can be used. Yeah, and if you're if you're using social media,、um, one of the things that you can do is you can just add a breath before you start typing, and add a breath before you hit click. And in that breath, in that pause, you may want to say, "Let me reread what I'm about what I'm about to say."、Um, you can also set some some. Some boundaries in your communications.、Um, if you are faced with digital distraction, if it's become a little too much for you, if it's overwhelming, you can use your choice to decide how much and how often you're going to use the technology. And maybe you pick a day out of the week. Maybe you have a time during the day where. The first thing you do maybe is you turn on your phone, or your phone is already there. Maybe it's sleeping with the phone in another room, starting from that place, or before you even pick up the phone, it's giving yourself a mindful moment just to breathe in and breathe out, placing your feet on the floor to get up, standing up, and giving yourself another mindful moment by just breathing and stretching. And then reflecting on something that you're grateful for. I know that those are a couple different options. And then while you're you're involved in the use of your technology, before you even turn on your computer to take a breath, before you start going to open up all the different windows that you keep open,、uh, taking a breath, stepping away from from the computer every hour. On the hour, maybe using an alarm with your wonderful technology that allows you to do that. If you can do that,、um, yeah, there's there's so many different opportunities that we have to insert some mindfulness、um, in the in the use of how we're communicating with technology. It could be maybe once a month you do a digital detox. You skip a day. Maybe you say on a Saturday, "I'm gonna leave my devices." I know this is revolutionary, everyone. I'm gonna leave them at home, <laughs> or I'm gonna turn turn it down, or maybe just turning for me. I mute the sound so I don't get all those alerts.、Um, there's all kinds of ways that we can manage、um, to have a healthier relationship with. With technology,、um, and and with whatever else that we we use, because not everyone is caught up in technology. It could be you're caught up in, I don't know, <laughs> maybe magazines. You got like a whole lot of magazines, and you you need to read every single one. Or maybe it's television, which is another.、Mm-hmm. That's technology too. It's limiting.、Um, I don't want. To, I don't even want to say limiting. It's like making a making a different choice. I think this is a great great place to wrap up. It's a it's a hopeful, encouraging note, and you brought us back to the to the breath as a source of mindfulness, which is where we started. Yeah, this has been great, Robert. I so appreciate you and your team for inviting me and. If there's any way that I can 
support you and the team and your audience, let me know. I want to invite folks to um, to do a few things. I have three free gifts on my website um, that are just waiting for you to support and inspire you to practice mindfulness in your life, in your career, in your relationships, and in your relationship with technology. If you go to anandaleek.com forward slash about, you'll see in the first couple of lines those three wonderful gifts and I'm going to leave it a secret so that you have to go to the website and check it out. And Ananda is A-N-A-N-D-A-L-E-E-K-E dot com forward slash about. Thanks so much. Yeah, we'll share that and lots of other information about you and your work and your books uh, with our audience. So thanks so much, Ananda, for being on the podcast. Thank you, Robert. And may everyone continue to embrace thriving mindfully in their lives. Thanks for joining us for this Technology for Mindfulness podcast with me, Robert Plotkin, and today's guest, Ananda Leek, who teaches people and organizations how to outsmart stress, tap into creativity, and have a healthy relationship with technology. Her books, including That Which Awakens Me and Digital Sisterhood, are available on Amazon. If you liked today's episode, please leave us a review on iTunes and share the episode with your friends. Those and all other links are in the show notes. And check out our blog at technologyformindfulness.com for information and tips about science, technology, and mindfulness. I'm Robert Plotkin, and I'll join you next time on the Technology for Mindfulness podcast with Pete Dunlap of the Digital Detangler, who brings his combined experience in education and software engineering to help people live more productive and calm lives in the digital age.